Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It's Friday the 9th of June. Coming up on today's show, we've got a guest to close the show with, the interview I recorded a couple of days ago, with a couple of people doing some great stuff down here in my neck of the woods in Sussex. We're going to start the show with Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. He's got a clip that I want to play and uh, I do have to edit it out because he's a little bit angry (laughs) and so he's words are a little fruity so if it goes you'll know why and he's talking about a number of issues uh, to do with him and his views on Palestine now I personally stay out of the whole Palestine Israel thing because I know that there's so many layers to it so I'm not on any side the side I am on is I don't like to see children treated badly you know, being withheld food, medication and worrying that when they go to sleep at night, a bomb's going to fall on their head. And I'm for that for all children all over the world. Uh, So that's the side I'm on. And he also talks about why the allegations calling him various things are ridiculous. And he breaks down using critical thinking why they are ridiculous and anyone that's able to think critically I think would be able to see straight through um, the allegations made against him and I think he breaks it down brilliantly and I'm then going to give my views on critical thinking about his views about critical thinking and because I don't agree with Roger Waters on everything but he makes some wonderful points in his video about the importance of free speech the importance of critical thinking, how to use critical thinking, why anyone that's using critical thinking wouldn't believe the nonsense that's been said about him. And he talks about things like the the mainstream media and other such things. And I'll give you an example of my critical thinking on his critical thinking right now. He talks and he shows you, uh, obviously I'm an audio show, but on his video, and I see the link for themselves, he shows you the headlines in which he is... Um, called all these horrible names and these lies are told about and he'll break down why that's the case and he'll show you all the headlines from the daily mail and the guardian and all that kind of stuff and those are the two as he mentions but um they sort of flash up quite quickly but that's the sort of fonts that i can see anyway and you can see the video for yourself i'll put it in the links in the comments section but it's also worth pointing out that some of the people in the the Daily Mail and The Guardian write some brilliant pieces of journalism too and he, Roger Walters, he mentions a news website for actual news and that's not, not fake news and we'll go and have a look at that website and I'll scroll down and I'll give some views upon that but I just wanted to say up front that yeah he'll he'll say some things about the media and he should there's some things have said about him but remember there are good and bad in all walks of life including at the offices in the daily mail and the guardian there are truth tellers and liars in every walk of life including those offices at the daily mail and the offices of the guardian so let's have a listen to roger waters but oh but first why is free speech so important Why does Roger Waters make such an important case for free speech? Well, in the words of Monty Python, Say no more! 
nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Say no more than our next article, which is from The Guardian. Uyghur student convicted after posting protest videos on WeChat. Camille Wyatt, 19, sentenced in China for advocating extremism by sharing footage of anti-lockdown unrest. A Uyghur student who was detained in Xinjiang in December after posting a video on WeChat of the white paper protests has been convicted of advocating extremism. So I'm not there. This is an example of critical thinking. We go back to Marcus Aurelius. Everything we hear, opinion, not fact. So this is The Guardian's opinion on what happened and my opinion on The Guardian's opinion of what happened. Probably neither of us were there. I don't know. But it sounds like, from that, that the extremism was holding up a piece of paper with an anti-lockdown view on it. I mean, I'll quickly scroll down because we've got a lot to cover through today. But, um, yeah, Kemet Wyatt... 19 was detained in Atish on 12th of December, the day after returning home from university in Enhan, a province in central China. She has not been heard from since, but last week a spokesperson for China's Ministry for Foreign Affairs confirmed for The Economist magazine that Wei had been sentenced on 25th of March for the crime of advocating extremism. The spokesperson did not confirm the length of the sentence, but it can be up to five years. Wyatt is one of dozens of people, many of them young women, who were detained after protests against China's harsh zero-Covid regime spread across numerous cities in November and December last year. The trigger for the protests was an apartment fire on 24th of December in Umikwai, Xinjiang's capital, which killed 10 people. Many blamed the deaths on residents being unable to leave the building because of Covid controls. Right, you've got to stay in the building for your own health to protect you from a virus with a 99% survival rate. Okay, we're burning to death in here. I think burning to death... What's the survival rate on being burnt to death? Well, it's it's a little less than 99%. But in the name of public safety, you know, the public safety officials will say, well, burning to death can't be spread asymptomatically, can it? You'll know if you're spreading burning to death, won't you? But you can spread COVID asymptomatically. Now stay in the building and burn. So is that, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't there, but is that what, um, is that what she's been, let's call, you know, disappeared, detained and then not heard from a sense. And then someone goes, yep, we've got them and we're not going to tell you how long. Now, I think it's really important that we support Roger Waters and the right for free speech, which inherently relies on the ability to think critically to make those arguments, you know, for and against. Oh, oh and one more story before we go on to here, Roger. Mel Gibson isn't. This is from um, Yahoo Entertainment. Mel Gibson. This is Thursday, eighth of June is not producing an Operation Underground Railroad child sex trafficking documentary. Mel Gibson is not producing a four-part documentary centred on child sex trafficking, the rap has confirmed. False reports of the Oscar-winning actor and the filmmaker's involvement in the project's development with Operation Underground Railroad began circulating this week, leading Gibson's publicist and the non-profit organisation founder, Tim Ballard, to release statements debunking the claims. So, let's now listen to Roger Waters. This is on Double Down News. 
And again, I, I only bring you, if you're a new listener, I only bring you news from mainstream media, from the right all the way through to the left, from the Daily Mail to the Guardian. Uh, it was brought to you from around the world as well. And scientists, doctors and celebrities and, you know, I'm familiar, I like the work of Pink Floyd, so I clearly know that this is Roger Waters. And for at least, let's enjoy that for the next few years until AI comes in with all their deep fake technology on a regular basis and we have no idea what is what in any way, shape or form. So I've always said, if I, if I definitely know the footage is accurate, I mean, assuming this isn't some sort of deep fake footage as well, but again, it goes down to critical thinking. I am pretty certain, 99.9% certain, this is not a fake video. But there's always that 0.1%, isn't there? And the ability to think critically involves constant self-evaluation to say, could I possibly be wrong? If so, how, why, what? You know, and what would the truth be? And let's re-evaluate the process again. Anyway, let's listen to Roger Walters from Pink Floyd. Yet another story of cancel culture. Why are they trying to cancel Roger Woods? Why aren't there real journalists going, hang on a minute, this is... Maybe I'll call up and see what he has to say. Why aren't you? Piers Morgan, eh? What's his name? Andrew Marr, eh? Ooh, don't get me started. Ignore all the newspapers, because that's all fake news. They are not printing the story in any way that is even-handed. Some Labour MP in Manchester, Christian Wakefield, this is a guy who was a Tory, and he's now switched sides. He's now in Sir Keir Starmer's Labour Party. I hope I meet you face-to-face in Manchester when I do my gig there, because you, Christian, I've forgotten your name already, and I will permanently soon, because you're scum. You are trying to get me banned from performing in Manchester. Me, the bloke that wrote Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here, and Animals, and The Wall, and The Final Cut. And I'm really proud of it, and it's a huge body of work. And he wants to cancel my rock and roll show for my brothers and sisters in Manchester. It's insane. If we shout the lie loud enough, Roger Waters is an anti-Semite. We'll be all right. We'll get people to believe it. We can vilify him. We can probably destroy him. And we will get him in the end. Well, no, you won't. Because it is a lie. You can gather as many morons together as you want to repeat your lie. But it remains a vicious lie. The narrative that I'm an anti-Semite and that I'm promoting fascism by wearing a leather coat and that I'm heavy symbols which are crossed hammers, by the way, not swastikas or anything that is literally Nazi, Third Reich, German. 40 years I've been doing 40 years. Every single year almost between 1980 and now, I've been doing bits of that show. Why now? Why suddenly now? 
would people be picking up and going, he's wearing a replica of a Nazi uniform on stage. He's obviously glorifying the Third Reich and Nazism. He's doing that as part of his general attitude, which is that he hates Jewish people. All over, all the press in the Western world, everything. Roger Waters, anti-Semite, glorifying Nazism, wearing a thing. Okay, well, if we could deconstruct that little bit. In my piece, The Wall, at the end of the fascist bit, in the film, it's Bob Geldof. When he's the fascist leader, he's singing all this stuff, which I wrote, about who they are the forces of evil. And they're in the song Waiting for the Worms. They're waiting to take over the world, waiting to cut out the deadwood. Pink, Bob Geldof, internally realizes that he's made a terrible mistake by wanting to become a powerful demagogue and rule the world. That's why he tries himself in the trial. He tries himself for having become a Nazi. So how you can transmogrify this work of theater into me glorifying the Third Reich and Nazism, beggars belief. Don't get me wrong, I may be shouting and I may seem powerful and whatever, but I'm still really upset. I can't believe that they're trying to do this to me. <sighs> yeah, I mean, clearly, Clearly, well, you can hear it in my voice. Clearly, I'm upset beyond all measure to be called these names. They're deeply, deeply, deeply insulting, not just to me, but to my family, and particularly to my mother and father. My father died at Anzio on the 18th of February, 1944, when I was five months old fighting the Nazis. And when the war broke out and he was called up, he went before the conscription board and declared that he was a Christian and that he'd love to help, but he couldn't join the army because Jesus had told him he couldn't kill anyone. And so he became an ambulance driver and he drove an ambulance all through the Blitz. And then it was there in London during the Blitz that he became politicized and eventually joined the Communist Party by 1941-42, he had changed his mind and he decided that the need to fight the Nazis trumped his pacifism. So he did his basic training and then he went off to officer training and he was commissioned in the Royal Fusiliers in 1943. Went off to North Africa and a couple of weeks later, boshed on a boat, landed in Anzio to make the new bridgehead and in the big push by the Nazis, he was killed a couple of weeks later. So, they're attacking my dad when they attack me. Not just from a personal perspective, but what an outrage that anybody, even for a second, could be speaking about cancelling me. It absolutely denies everything that we ought to be proud of about living in a democracy or being English sense of fair play, 
matters not who won or lost. It's how you played the game. Mind you, it was an American who wrote that, not some English bloke that's written up at Lord's Cricket Ground. But the idea, even if you disagree with my politics, that I should not be allowed to speak. The MP in Manchester, he doesn't know me from Adam. He has no idea who I am. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't think, hang on a minute. Isn't he that bloke who wrote all those songs when he was in Pink Floyd? What, what, what evidence is there to support this? I don't care, I'll just go and say it. The fact that people are complaining about me mentioning Anne Frank and Shireen Abu Akhle in the same show, actually in the same song, it's a song called Powers the Bee, and I put up the names of victims of violence from all over the world, like George Floyd, right, Blair Peach in England, Everywhere I went in North America, I put up one name from that town. Every town you go to in America, there's somebody who's been murdered by the state or the local police. So when I get to Germany, it's not hard for me to pick some German names. She's there because I'm in Germany. So that the local people, oh good, he, he does notice that it's not just the Americans who are murdering their own people. We were murdering our own. Sophie Skoll, she was a 19, 20-year-old girl in Munich in 1943 who, with her brother Hans Skoll and a friend, Christopher Probst, they started a movement called the White Rose Movement and they distributed leaflets in the university in Munich decrying the persecution of the Jewish community there and for which crime they were executed, they were guillotined. I first went to her grave with my missus, Camilla, five years ago, and we went back this time, because there's no way that either of us could ever visit Munich without going to lay white roses on the graves of Sophie and Hans Skoll and Christopher Probst. Obviously, this doesn't register with the pro-Israeli German movement to have me banned from Germany. But it nevertheless is the reality of my life. And on stage two nights ago in Frankfurt, I was trying to explain this to the audience that were there because I didn't wear the leather coat there as, as an act of understanding, really, to the people whose feelings it might hurt, i.e. the relatives of those men, Jewish men who were rounded up by the Nazis. I sometimes feel like saying, hey guys, what did I, what am I what am I doing? What have I done? You rounded them up and murdered them, not me. Sophie Skoll died for those men. She's the heroine. She didn't stand by silent and indifferent. Do you know who is standing by silent and indifferent? If I was standing by now, silent and indifferent to the oppression of the people of Palestine, like you are and your government is particularly the German government, not all the people, because friends of mine, German friends of mine, are out in the streets protesting against the calumny of the current government of Israel, now, just like I am. But your government is standing by silent and indifferent while there's a slow, creeping genocide being perpetrated upon the people of Palestine. 
This is why I'm being vilified in Germany, is because I'm suggesting that you, the German people, have to persuade your government to change all of that. And I know why it is. You are blinded by the fact that you are German and your guilt about the Holocaust is so great that you've accepted the mantra that Israel can do no wrong and anybody that says anything against Israeli policy has to be silenced and will be by the German government and the German people because we support the Israeli government, whatever they do. And we couldn't care less about the Palestinian people. All right, well, that's a position, but it's a very warped and strange position. They've been trying to get me cancelled there for months and months and months. And I fought back through the German courts. And I'm happy to say that the local court in Frankfurt, that the judge said, on the basis of the evidence before me, what this man wants to do in this concert hall is clearly not against any law. He should be allowed artistic freedom to express his thoughts and feelings in this piece, which is clearly an adaptation of a longer theatrical piece, which is called The Wall, which he has been performing one way or another and made films of for 40 years. And suddenly now you're all going, oh, it's anti-Semitic, it's this, it's that, the other. Why now? Well, I know the answer. And if anybody would listen to me, and you are listening to me, I can tell you the answer. The Israeli government sees me as an existential threat to their settler colonialist racist apartheid regime. That is why now. And they've done everything that they can think of to discredit me and try and destroy my career and, if possible, destroy me and my family. So that is why it's not rocket science. It's not a mystery that it's taken the Roger Waters haters to catch up with this piece of work that I wrote and produced and directed 45 years ago. What about the Star of David on the pig that you use at every show? Which is one of the lies that they've been putting out in all the newspapers. He, in his current, current show, well, hang on a minute. Back in 2013, when I was in the middle of touring the theatrical piece, The Wall, all over the world, Belgium, one night, and there is a pig, and it has a number of symbols on it, including the crucifix and the star and crescent. The Star of David is only part of a group of symbols that represent dogma. And I started getting complaints coming in. You're being anti-Semitic, you're blah, 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 blah. Well, no, I'm not. Oh, but you're really upsetting Jewish people. So I thought about it, and I thought, you know, there might be something in there. I can imagine some little old lady somewhere in Belgium who might see this and think, and be, I can feel them going, because it really, really upsets them to see their, the symbol of their religion on, on this um, balloon. So I scrubbed it out immediately. We'd done five gigs. That was in 2000, early 2013. And they're now they're saying that I've done it at every single show I've ever done and blah, blah, blah. And nobody ever tells the story that said he got complaints about it. So he scrubbed it out. 
and when I understand I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, am I going to keep attacking the state of Israel and its policies in the West Bank and in Gaza? Yes, I am. And I will until the day I die. Or they modify their position to give human rights to the indigenous people of all the lands between the Jordan River and the sea. It's really simple. This whole story for me didn't start till 2006 when I went to Palestine. I saw apartheid in action, even if it was just the roads. Wow, this is weird. You know, as well, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's for Jews only. Don't be daft. Yeah, it is. You can't go on this road if you're not a Jew. You're kidding. No, I'm not. Hell, imagine you live in England and you can't go up the M1 unless you're a Christian. It's so alien to everything that we claim to believe in. The guards are all the crossings and placings you have to go to, who are all about 10 years old. And even me, there I am with my British passport, because we were in UN vehicles, we were treated like they didn't quite spit on us. But then I thought, Mom, if they treat me like this, imagine how they treat the Palestinians. And I saw them. It's actually quite depressing uh, to witness. You know, when you uh, stand in front of an edifice like this, um, whether it's here or, or, you know, outside a township in South Africa or in the Warsaw Ghetto during the Second World War or in Berlin in the 60s and 70s, there's something you know instinctively that this is wrong. And it's inconscionable the way they treat. And they kill them. They just openly kill them. They shoot them all the time, dead. And they bomb them, dead. And so I've been doing everything that I possibly can to expose that bit. And I will continue to do so. And I will hope eventually to open the eyes of ordinary people in England and in North America, those being the two places where I live, to the evils of the apartheid state of Israel until such time as they moderate their ways and start abiding by this Bible, this one, Universal Declaration of Human Rights. When I see the army of thugs with their blue and white flags storming through the old city of Jerusalem on Flag Day, beating up any Palestinian who dares to be in their own street, shouting, kill the Arabs, kill the Arabs, kill the Arabs, as they march through the street with their Israeli flags. And nobody's going, oh, you can't say that. That's a hate crime. And it really is a hate crime. But there's nobody saying that. The police are there egging them on. So cancel culture is trying to get you to believe that in some weird way, my defense of the people of Palestine is more violent than the young thugs kicking Palestinians to death, or the IDF soldiers shooting them through the heart with their sniper rifles, like they did on the Great March of Return to that young Palestinian medic. Thousands upon thousands of them. These are just words, and these, these are my heartfelt, passionate words. A lot of my political ideals are fostered through this, mainly following my mother, she once said to me when I was struggling with something or other, she said, Roger, through your, throughout your life, you're going to come up with all kinds of naughty problems, things that you have to wrestle with. This is my advice to you. Read, 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 and then read some more. Find out everything there is to know. 
about whatever the question might be, however long it takes. When you've done that, you've done all the heavy lifting. The hard work is over. Uh, what do I do then, Mum? She said, next bit's easy. You just do the right thing. You know, it's not hard. But you do have to do the reading, and you cannot believe what the BBC tells you, because it's completely a mouthpiece of government and the ruling class. You are not being told any of the truth. So what I would suggest you should do is, like my mother would suggest you do, and read, read, read. And don't read the Daily Mail or The Guardian. The Guardian. What is our Guardian of? Ugh. Read what people who know about these things have to say. Go to Double Down News and watch Naomi Wimborne Adrisi. And I've watched Double Down News. I'm on it now. And it is not fake news. It's real people telling you the real truth about things. So it's really important. <laughs> if my mum was here, she could tell you. When you've done the reading, okay? When you've done the reading, chaps, you've done all the heavy lifting. Just do the right thing. And if you do, their world will crumble and we will have taken a step towards peace on Earth. It's extremely important to support Double Down News on Patreon. We've spoken a lot. So that's where I will leave that there. And uh, now I shall apply some... Well, just do what Roger said. So I went on to um, Double Down News. And we'll just scroll down. So it's got Jeremy Corbyn. It's got Meet the Man Who Terrifies Jeff Bezos. The Never-Ending Nakba, which I think, again, is... Uh, an Israel thing. Former British soldier exposes King Charles. I don't know what he's going to expose. I, I, perhaps I should watch that and see about it one way or the other. The Mick Lynch video the government doesn't want you to see. Oh, I do like Mick Lynch. I enjoy that. Expose Keir Starmer in the establishment coup. Keir Starmer is the most dishonest mainstream politician of my lifetime, according to Matt Kennard. Was Matt alive when Tony Blair was around? If so, I mean, that's a hell of a statement. Someone more dishonest than honest Tony. <laughs> that is something to be concerned about. Um, some more Israel stuff. Uh, Peter Bourne demolishes racist Tory government. Iraq war crimes. Tony Blair should be in prison, not Julian Assange. Uh, well, I think he should be in trial. You can't go sit putting people in prison without a trial. But uh, I think there's interesting evidence that would... Uh, would make a trial very interesting. Most unpopular government in decades wants to distract you. And there's a picture of Gary Lineker there. So I assume that was a story from a while ago. Uh, social media capitalism is destroying your mind. Yeah, I can get behind a bit of that. Rishi Sunak's first 100 days for the rich by the rich. <laughs> Have we had, he had anything for the last 100 years from all the parties? Why is it possible for foreign states to own UK why is it possible for foreign states to own UK utilities but not Britain? That's really good. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, I've said before, didn't I? I said I think that corporations around the world will go 
British will put up with really expensive uh, energy bills. We want a bit of that. We want a bit of that pie. The Kurdish story at the hearts of Iran's protests. I know nothing about that. Jeremy Corbyn versus the establishment. Again, critically thinking, I like a lot of Corbyn stuff. There's some stuff I definitely didn't like. The cost of living crisis is a scam. I can kind of get behind that, but why it's a scam. So, critically thinking down there, and in the right-hand corner, it's got the importance of free speech. So, uh, and Ken Loach absolutely destroys Keir Starmer. I do like a bit of Ken Loach as well. So then, critically thinking. It's all well and good to say. You've got to think critically. What does it actually mean in an application of everyday life so i'll give you an example right now first of all i've only read out the headlines and headlines don't necessarily reflect the full article and i've never opened or read before today a single double down news article so there's a lot on there i like oh there's one Gary Young destroys America's gun obsession. So I presume that's against the Amer- the Second Amendment. Uh, so I'd have to be against that because I'm pro-democracy. And if the Constitution that the American people want says they have the right to bear arms, then that you've got to respect the will of the people, knowing that it will do some damage. And there will be bad points to it as well as their good points. But at the end of the day, it's their country and that's the rule- rules they want. Fair enough. We shouldn't have people who don't get a vote in a country saying how that country should be run. In my opinion, I think that's how democracy works best at the local level, answerable and accountable. So that's the first point. I haven't actually read any of the articles. Secondly, it's important to have a look at what isn't on there as much as what is. So I'm scrolling down there. I don't see any information on either excess death rates or I don't see any information on there either about the World Health Organization Treaty which I think is again but what we do see here is a lot of anti Keir Starmer stuff and if you can just put the pieces of the puzzle together where Keir Starmer did that interview saying you know, where he was given the choice of Westminster or Davos. He's like, yeah, Davos. You know, he's not shy about telling you where his loyalties lie. Did I play that on the show? Or is it just on the Telegram group? I can't remember. But Keir Starmer, Westminster, Davos. I put that in a, to some sort of video search engine. I'm sure you can find something like that. So it doesn't, it does not contain any news on that. And yet, the, some of the, mainstream media which he went on to call fake and liars and all that kind of stuff they do put out information on those issues which i think are key just as they put out the articles on him which i think were completely unjustified and false so my critical thinking on roger walter's critical thinking is he's right about uh, you know everything he said there about free speech and um the dangers of not having it and how all the insults against him were hurtful and wrong and using critical thinking demonstrably so quite easily demonstrably so given you know his stance over the years and yet at the same time i can go well you've you've criticized some mainstream media there for being just you know and justifiably so for what they've written about you 
but you failed to mention some of the other points that the daily double down news aren't mentioning but seem to be on the edges of so my point on that is build allies and defend your allies where you can recognize that we probably have more in common with each other than divides us recognize that when you defend someone's statement if someone says how can you defend x you can say i'm not defending x to defend x is to defend their entire existence and everything they've ever said which i'm not privy to and anyone could show me a, a statement to go he said that you're defending that i'm not doing that i'm defending that statement that person said he also said that the statement over there i agree with and another one over there doesn't mean that I agree with the statement he said on X date and that's that's fine because debate is healthy so if someone was to say to you how can you defend X say I'm not defending X I'm X defending the statement made by X and then also just because you agree with an analysis of a problem doesn't necessarily you will agree with that person's solution to it but you may well find common ground on a great many things and it's uh, i think if you can say hey because i don't get bogged down in the cult of personality this isn't personal i'm going to agree here not not going to agree there we're not going to use any labeling critical thinking takes critical conversations and it takes quite a bit to explain i think it was carl Jung. i could be wrong i think it was carl Jung that said thinking is difficult that's why most people judge i think he said that and it was worse of those effect the next point i have on that is i think you're going to see i've said this before and i think you're going to see much more of it a lot of the celebrities who aren't towing the establishment line i think they're going to realize how many people watch mainstream media just like joe rogan you know how many people watch mainstream media how many people watch me right you know and with the mainstream media trust being at an all-time low after the last few years and what they've said now is the perfect time for the people who the mainstream media comes on and attacks like Roger Waters to go hang on a second how many people watch you and how many people have bought my music albums right then I'm going to take you on you know I and that's why free speech is so important not just in the realm of ideology i've broken down how it's important for true progressivism on previous shows but on the online arena because it will then give people like roger waters to say if my fans can be aware of it and if they can access me and if they know where to find me you know a platform like double down news or a rumble or something like that a free speech network man that is a major threat to the mainstream media because you always see the mainstream media they always have these celebs on because it's good for programming well what happens when hardly anyone's watching them and all the celebs that they have on people go huh yeah no i'm not a big fan of them and all the ones that they are a big fan of both in the terms of what they've done in their professional body of work in the case of roger waters over what the best part of half a century or more i don't know i'm not a pink floyd expert or this celebrity who was, you know, 
very, very, very pro-vax, very, very, very pro-lockdown. And now I'm kind of not thinking that they were right on either of those key issues. And they're reeling that one out again. But actually, I quite like what Roger Waters was saying about X, Y and Z. That is a big threat to the mainstream media. If the celebrities realise they are what makes the mainstream media and decide to bypass out the middleman, that can be a problem. So it's important, you know, slur them now before these new medias start to really completely eclipse the mainstream media. So I think this is a, a move in front as well. Um, what else was I going to say? on that particular issue oh that was it so again applying the you know the, the roger waters technique of critical thinking he was on his videos talking about the dangers of establishments the dangers of fascism and mussolini defined um, fascism as the merger of state and corporate powers uh, the dangers of unchecked power of the state the dangers of apartheid where you take two different um, you know, people and just separate two different groups. So I thought if he's against all these things, and so am I, then he wouldn't have done any vaccine passport concerts, would he? Because they would, you know, that's all about two different tier groups of people, establishment power, collusion between pharmaceuticals and government that would be everything that really you know fascism I just defined it as and there are other there are other uh, definitions of it other than mine of course so I did a quick search and I couldn't find anything so I've got no idea whether Roger Waters did a vaccine passport concert or not but that it, it's I've, it was a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it? But the reason I did that was because that's part of, for me, the critically thinking process is very much of uh, don't stop at the, man, I like everything he says. Um, again, I don't necessarily agree that with that with that interview, but I'm just using it as a hypothetical example. I agree with everything he says. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you agree with everything they've ever said or will say in the future. But what's far more important is what they do. So I did a quick search, can't find anything. But still, the exercise in critical thinking there, I think, remains. And now we are going to go to an interview I recorded a couple of days ago. Here is the introduction that I asked them to write for themselves. Uh, it's called their, um, Matt and Sadie from Hope Sussex Community. Hope is a now widely regarded as one of the great success stories to have grown out of the chaos and instability of the last few years. Hope attracts enlightened, freedom-loving souls who attend talks, workshops, conferences, festivals, health clinics, and is the space also used by home-educating families to supplement their own education as independent tutors rent rooms from Hope to offer classes in a massive range of subjects. Sadie was a primary school teacher of 10 years and is happily married to Matt. Uh, they have four children who are all home educated. So uh, I will now go to our pre-recorded interview. And now we're joined by Sadie and Matt at Hope Sussex. Welcome to Beyond the News, guys. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, excellent. We're all good. Yeah, really good. Thanks, buddy. So please do tell us about the exciting projects that you've got coming up, coming down to Hope Sussex, where you are and what got you into uh, doing this project in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jim. So we're from Hope Sussex Community. We are a community centre that 
we run lots of different events from from educational sessions, talks, workshops, conferences and festivals as well. We've got lots of really great events coming up this summer, which we'd love lots of your listeners to come along to. And um, yeah, we've got, what have we got? What is that going on, Matt? Oh, there's tons going on, man. I mean, you know, every single day that we're operating there at home, whether it be tutorage or an event or a conference, you know, it's something that flies in the face of what the government want. It's, it's fantastic. It's like, it's like a continuous rolling positive protest that looks for change. And it's so, so important. And it's just a lovely thing to be a part of that, you know? Brilliant. So what, what services are you offering down there at Hope? Because I've seen not only that you've got a fantastic festival coming up next month in July, but I've also seen on Facebook a lot of the um, teaching that you've done with children and that kind of stuff. So it seems that you've got a lot going on there. So tell us, what classes are you teaching? And uh, tell us more about this big event and who you've got coming down and when it's going to be. Absolutely. So Hope operates primarily for home educating families who want to come together to join the different sessions that we have, lots of different tutors, hiring rooms at Hope Sussex and putting on things ranging from drama, dance, art, maths, writing, we've got GCSE subjects, practical skills, welding, cooking, I mean, you name it, we've, we've got it going on and we're very much listening to the families and what they want and finding people who can come and put that on. So it's a really wonderful community spirit um, venture, really, that we're so proud to be part of and have put together. I was a primary school teacher in Hailsham. I completely became disillusioned with becoming a teacher. I, I, I realised that I was part of the problem and not part of the solution and I wanted to step away from it particularly during all the stuff going on with COVID and I we removed our four children from the education system and have been home educating for the last three years. We joined up with other people including Katie Joe who's one of the other co-founders along with myself of the project and we found this absolutely beautiful site. We're not very far away, we're in Netherfield near Battle. And it's just a really, really wonderful vibe there of lots of just beautiful, free-thinking people coming together. And we're not just the families. It's important to say that anybody can come along to Hope. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone there, you know, is in favour, you know, first and foremost of freedom of speech and anti the government's attempt to try to push us into boxes and to control us, what we think, what we say. And what we're seeing at the moment, what's taking place at the moment in the world and in this country is one final massive grasp of the system to try to curtail our freedoms as quickly as it can. Because it knows its mask has slipped. It failed in what it had intended to do to us during the uh, the, the, uh, the pretend um pandemic what it tried to do to us it failed too many people were awake too many people fall back and now it realizes it has one final grasp to try to grab us control us and we all know that there it's wonderful to be around so many wide awake red pill popping people man it's just special it really is so it sounds like what you've going on down there is 
a truly inclusive school system built for everyone with the the needs of the pupils in mind rather than the needs of the government syllabus in mind. Would that be a correct assumption on my part? Absolutely. Um, it's really important to note, though, that we don't operate like a school. So we're not in any way um, a school at all. We don't have a drop... It's not drop-off and go. The parents are on site the whole time. We don't run a curriculum in any capacity. Tutors who choose to come and rent rooms from us will decide what it is that they're going to put on and then we will advertise that for them so not we're not a school in that in that regard at all but definitely definitely are all about freedom you know yeah i mean basically at the at the end of the day the system is going to do what it can to try to shut down any communities that it doesn't like any communities that shed light on their lives and their attempt to control us they are going to want to come after and so all you got to do is understand and know your rights, see the loopholes and dance around it. You know, non-compliance is the only thing we've got. It's about non-compliance. They want us to comply and when we say no, and when there's enough of us, we can do what we want, what's best for our families and what's best for our community. Um, so basically, one of the things that we're holding this summer is the Freedom Music Festival. We held our first one last summer and it was the first one ever to have taken place in the country and it was an absolutely brilliant success. We had 500 people celebrating on the field next to our site. The event ran beautifully. We had White Sedge Fred there. They weren't performing, but they were just there to, you know, to come and say hi to everybody. We had all the guys from UK Column. We had Danny Rampling DJing. It was just an absolutely fantastic event. And we're really, really lucky that we're going to hold another one. And this one is going to be held at our site in Netherfield on the 21st to the 23rd of July. And we've got some really big names within the within the whole kind of freedom movement really we've got headlining on the friday night slip mat big big old, old school dj uh, from the 90s and then headlining on the saturday night we have got um lsd as well he's massive he was really big in the in the whole rave scene and sunday we've got dj saves as well so we've got we're going back we're taking it back to old school vibes this summer at Hope Sussex and it's going to be absolutely brilliant and it's a really really affordable festival it's not like it's not commercialised in any way at all this whole festival has been put on to fundraise for our project every single penny that we make goes back into keeping our project going and everybody who works there including you know including us including the other director she we none of us take a penny we're all volunteers so We've got um, adult weekend tickets at £80, which is, you know, and that includes camping, so that's from Friday to Sunday. And kids, kids who are over 12, they are £20 as well. So it's really, really affordable and it's going to be absolutely brilliant. We guarantee anybody who comes is going to have the absolute best time ever. Slip, Matt, that brings me back to the days of the 90s <laughs> on Hastings Pier. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be amazing. We've got loads of people. We've got bands coming down from all over the country. We've got Daz Band. We've got Victorious coming from Brighton. We've got Lucas Lyon coming down from um, up Derbyshire Way. We've got Peter Trott, uh, Roger Hubbard. Yeah, loads of people. But, I, I mean, I can't not, not say who our special guest is. I was our about to guest. say, yeah, you, you've got a big speaker as well. Not just musicians, but you've got quite a big speaker coming down from what we I saw on the poster. We have got a very big speaker. 
teacher who um, who we met when we went over to do a sponsored walk on the Isle of Wight. We've got the um, you know the the very special guest David Ike who is coming over to to give us a to give a talk. He's going to give a closing speech on the Saturday, which is going to finish the live band, introduce the DJ the DJ stage and it's going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, David Icke hasn't spoken down in the southeast for many, many years so it will be really wonderful. He's heard so much about our project. He's fully behind it. He's really excited about it and yeah, he's going to get to come and, you know, come and see what we've created so it's all absolutely brilliant and we really want you know, we want people to come and support it because, it, like I said, it's affordable, but it actually is keeping, it will help keep this project going. And we've been going for two years, so this 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 event will just keep us, you know, secure for another year, which is just would be just brilliant. How do people find out more about your project uh, for if they want to come and get involved in, like, the um, the teaching aspect? I know you said you weren't at school, but the uh, hiring of the room. So have you got a website? And also, how do people get the tickets to the fantastic festival that you've got coming up? Was it July the 21st to 23rd? Did I get those numbers right? It is July the 21st to the 23rd, the Friday to the Sunday. Absolutely, Jim. They can find out everything from our website, which is www.hopesussex.co.uk. UK and we've got all the, the posters for all of our events coming up over the summer. We have a really wonderful summer fair coming up on Saturday the 24th of June and we also, we've also got a really, our first ever um, home ed activity camp coming up called Camp Hope which is taking place on the Monday the 10th of July through to the Friday the 14th of July and we've got loads of activities on by all our tutors, the tutors who, who operate out of Hope are putting on lots of amazing sessions for kids to come and try. So we've got people who home edge from around the country travelling down to come and spend the week with us. So there's lots going on. And the other thing I really need to, I really should mention is becoming a member. Hope Sussex community invites people, you know, who, who are freedom love, you know, have got the same ethos of freedom and truth as us. We welcome them to come and join us and individuals can join Hope Sussex for as little as £20 a year. Families from as little as about £45 a year. It's a sliding scale, it's a pay what you can and depending on on if you're able to get any volunteer, any hours or anything like that. So yeah, there's lots going on and we're always looking for people to come and help us out volunteers we've got a massive allotment growing amazing organic vegetables at the moment because we are really aware that that's something that children really need to learn about it's about health well-being sustainability education and empowerment it sounds you know like I mean? you're actually offering for real what our government claims to be offering all the time but always fails to deliver I mean, we have to understand that the system at school is heavily politicised. When we get to the stage where little girls are told it's okay to be little boys and vice versa, and the government are sponsoring the mutilation of children because of God only knows what else and all sorts of horrible um, attacks on our families, when we get to that stage when we simply cannot trust the system, you've got to pull your kids out. And that is where we are now. We have heard some bloody horror stories, you know, and um, it's not to be not to be accepted. And, and we have the right to take our kids out. And there are alternatives like hope that you can come to and expect and get delivered 
to you a quality that you should be getting from the state but will not. For example, we've got a math tutor who's a PhD. You know, he's, he's a doctor. He's a very, very highly qualified guy and he's brilliant with the kids. We've got other people that are very experienced. So we've got some high-grade people um, tutoring our hope, which is one of the reasons why we are, you know, expanding and attracting people. One of the things that I saw on Facebook that I thought was great was some of your videos, Matt, where you take the kids out and you're actually teaching them practical skills. I think the one that springs to my mind, I could be wrong on this, was you were teaching them something about the basics of a car engine. Did you do a video like that on Facebook? Stuff like that, I just thought was superb and I would have loved to have been taught that at school. Yeah, um, I'm... I have an engineering background and we were basically looking at how to prevent your car from breaking down and so all the kids grabbed the car keys to their parents' cars and we went around systematically every single car to check the oil and the water and the tyre pressures etc and you know we found some <laughs> one particular car, I'm, I'm not going to mention who owned it, there was no oil in the engine at all. <laughs> when I spoke to the parent, she said, oh, I wonder what that light on the dashboard was. So you were able to address that. So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many parents know very little about the vehicle. So it would be great to impart that information and uh, be able to save a few quid to people. So, yeah, it's one of the things we do. We do so much like that. It's got to be practical and it's got to be something that the kids can actually use in their lives as well. I've seen numerous studies where it says, you know, a lot of the problems with kids' attention pans at school is the fact that they really don't really want to learn it because they can't see any practical use for it and it doesn't resonate with their soul or what they want to do with their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as a primary school teacher myself, I can totally resonate with that. I've seen it. I mean, I've taught, I've taught class of 32 children where I, I can pretty hands on heart say that half the children in there really shouldn't have been in school that they, those children just needed to be outside and doing practical learning. At the end of the day, school tries to squeeze everybody, you know, square pegs in round holes, and it doesn't work. You know, we're all unique and different, and we all learn in different ways. And school just isn't able to cater for that uh, with all the children that they have in their classes. Yeah. You've also got to consider that the model of the schools is a 150-year-old Victorian model. And the whole purpose of it in the first place, why it was put into place, was because they wanted kids to know just enough so that they could operate the machines and everything else that was needed and so that the kids would understand the propaganda that was going to be given them for various things like World War One and everything else that came before that and has come since, and since that. They want us to know just enough so we are useful to the system. It's they funny. don't want us to know too much, so we are a threat, but just enough so that we could be useful. And it is criminal, and it's still happening today. It's funny, Matt. Only two or three episodes ago, I played a clip of George Carlin's stand-up routine where he broke that down exactly about they want you just smart enough to be able to... Have you seen the routine that George Carlin has done on that? The uh, late George... I haven't seen it. Uh, go on to YouTube and basically he breaks down in a stand-up routine what you've just put into words there about they want you just smart enough to be able to put, pump things through and make money for them but not smart enough to cause a problem exactly exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean I would urge anybody listening to this now any of your listeners to just uh, take a moment of kind of quiet reflection and think back to their school time 
Was it, a, was it a period of happiness? Was it a period where there was some trauma? What actually do you really remember? What made happy? I mean, also, what made those kids happy at that time? Was it being in the class? Was it being engaged with a teacher? Or was it outside just having fun with their friends? I can guarantee it's going to be the latter nearly every single I time. Think, yeah, I think most people, the positive experience in school has been about friendship. It's about being with friends. And actually, it's not really about the education or the learning, which is really sad because, you know, childhood is a time when you should be exciting children about the world, engaging them in really great, you know, science and, and sparking their love of all of this stuff. And actually, what school does is it stifles all of that. It kills it. It kills that creativity. It kills that kind of ability to even ask questions. I mean, if you get home-educated children in a room and you have children who are at school in a room, you can absolutely straight away tell the difference between them. I've seen it. You know, I, I see it. I, I see it on a day-to-day basis. But I, you know, children who are home-educated are confident to talk to adults. They make eye contact. They ask really in-depth questions. Children who have been at school are you know they have really been subdued and they've been told not to ask too many questions and they are they are very very different and it's really sad yeah you also need also need to consider something and i've mentioned it several times before why is it that they take all the kids at about the same age and squeeze them into particular lessons in particular years now we've been told that that is to facilitate the ease of learning to have children of a similar level but it isn't that at all the reason why they do that is because they want to inhibit and take away the desire and the natural inclination of children to want to emulate people above them and also nurture those below we are supposed to learn in a community we're not supposed to learn by being stuffed into same age groups that is there to take that away so that the only person you listen to then is going to be the teacher and whatever it is that they say and then you feel peer pressure from all of your peers to keep your mouth shut and just do what you're told it's I mean, you can look at it and say, was that just a cynical look on it? Is that real? But if you actually think about it, it is real. Because you could have a, have a 10-year-old with the same academic ability as a 14-year-old in some cases, but the 14-year-old will have far um, more of a, of a natural skill with certain other things that the 10-year-old won't have. And so it's just sharing of the information and it's a, a higher way of learning. And they don't want us to have that, which is why they stuff us into same age groups in schools. Are you familiar with the work of Charlotte Isaby? She's passed away now. She was a, a lady that was the education secretary under Ronald Reagan. And she really broke down what she saw with the whole education system coming in the 80s. Are you familiar with the work of Charlotte Isaby? No, I'm not. No. Do a duck, duck, go, sir. Charlotte, I, I can't remember how to spell her name. Charlotte, okay. um, Ed, education secretary, Reagan, 80s. Charlotte Isaby. Okay. Um, her, her family was what made her so unique was her family was involved in skull and bones so she was able to see uh, you know a skull and bones agenda being implemented in a, a Reagan 
administration yep. and she sort of started blew the whistle I th- she's long since passed away i think but have a look at her work because it's more or less both what um you and matt are saying about your gut instincts of the education system from what i've seen anyway on on my research but just to close here if you guys got any closing comments and uh, please do feel free to give out any social media and websites again so people can contact you support you in your classes and buy tickets to the festival for july the 21st the 23rd Thank you, Jim. Yeah, I would absolutely urge people to get in touch with us at our website, hopesplastics.co.uk. There is an online inquiry form. So if you've got any questions about how we operate or anything like that, or if you disagree with anything that Matt and I have said and you want to actually have a conversation, I'm happy to I'm happy to hear from you. And I'll, uh, you know, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have a conversation with you about it. I'm, I'm, in- I'm interested. I'm always interested to hear from other educators and on their experiences as well, because... Um, yeah, I found I've spoken to a lot of teachers in my, you know, in the last three years since I've left mainstream education, and it's been, it's been, well, it's been harrowing, I would say, probably more than anything, and and enlightening as well. But to hear the the kind of stories that are coming out of schools and what's going on in them at the moment, but actually. I would really just like to say that Hope Sussex, we've, you know, we've, we've formed to create something really beautiful, something truly unique. It's never been done before in the country. It's here in the southeast. So we urge anybody, you know, in this area to come and get involved in us and come and check us out. Come to an event, a talk, a workshop, a conference, a festival, and you won't be disappointed. I'm sure you'll absolutely love the vibe there. Thank you very much, guys. An absolute pleasure chatting to you here this evening and we'll definitely get you back on in the future to let us know how your big events have gone thanks very much for joining it's been a pleasure man yeah thank you so much jim okay